Thank you for tuning in to Cobblestone Community Church's podcast, where we are taught by the Word and led by the Spirit. I hope today's message encourages you and challenges you to draw nearer to Jesus. But theologians say Romans is the greatest, the Bible's the greatest book. The greatest book in that book, the greatest letter is Romans. The greatest chapter is chapter 8. And the greatest verse is verse 1. This one verse is, we're just going to land on it, and, and then we're going to go right back into worshiping Jesus and expecting, I expect the power of God to ruin condemnation in some of your lives today. The church lives under condemnation when it shouldn't. And why do I know that? Because of Romans 1. So if you have a Bible, and you should, open it to Romans, the book of Romans. So it's Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Acts, Romans. And then you're looking for a big number eight, little number one. We'll start there in a second. But Paul has been just lay, I'm hammering the gospel. He says some pretty heavy things in the book of Romans. Chapter one, Anna was like, geez, Paul, calm down. And I, I agree, it's, it's heavy. But the gospel, the true news that Jesus Christ died on a cross for my sins and then bodily rose from the dead has implications, has things that will pan out in my life, not just in the next life, but this life. And Paul is pretty, pretty daggone set that the gospel does a primary thing. It like William Wallace, Braveheart, I could plate my face blue and wear a kilt right now and yell freedom over you. You're like, do it. I don't have a kilt on underneath this, Diane. I would. I've done weirder things. Most religious people, they vacillate between two dynamics in their Christian walk. The first one I just call performance. I have to perform so that God will accept me. And that's a very big trap and it's a very big weight on the church because the gospel is that by grace through faith, I tattooed it on my body so I won't forget because how often do we try to earn what's only freely given? But you're like, don't tell people they can just have grace. That'll like give them license. That's not how the God of grace, that's not how it works. Because to be forgiven of your sin leads you to go, I don't want to pardon it anymore. Not under the law, but under the spirit that has given a new law unto our hearts. This is the, the theme of Romans 8. It is like you, you rounded the bend from like some pretty heavy stuff to like the eye of the tiger or like chariots of fire slow running. Da-da-da. You're just like, oh, Freedom because I'm unshackled and I'm free in God and the grace of Jesus has transformed me. And some of you are still stuck in that performance. I got to perform, I got to perform, I got to perform, I got to perform, and you don't. The other one is, I call it pretending, and church people are so good at pretending. I make fun of this a lot. Some of you already did it today. You're experts at it. You got here and someone asked you how you were doing. You put on your fake smile, and your fake Christianese, and you went, I'm blessed to be a blessing, brother. And you had your big baby Jesus Bible, and you know the words, and you know the right answers, and somewhere in your heart, or in your marriage, or in your back part of your life, or in the closet that you hide away all your sins, it's on fire. So you pretend. And in all that pretending, there's like all this doubt. Does God really accept me? I bet he's really mad at me. I bet he doesn't even like me. 
But the glad song of the kids of God, the adopted sons and daughters is, we are accepted by the work of another, and I didn't do it. It's a free gift. That's the good news. That when I have a crappy day tomorrow, he still likes me and loves me and adopts me, and I'm not out of the family. I'm a full son for the rest of my life. In Romans 8, it's got about 17 sermons in it. We could do this for the next year. Romans 8, you're like, really? I could take verse 1 and do a whole sermon on it. I could do verse 2. We just go line by line. We're going to spend two weeks in Romans 8, this week and next week, and then we're going to do Romans 9, which everyone's afraid of, but I don't know why. Because it's the Word of God. The example I heard this week is, have you ever been in like the ocean or a pool and you had a beach ball and you tried to get the beach ball to stay underwater? You know, like you're laying on top of it and it's like, and all of a sudden it pops out and you're like, oops. This is you and some of your desires. The stuff that's really in there. And you're trying to hold the beach ball down and then all of a sudden lust will pop out every once in a while. I go, oops, that's embarrassing. And then you'll try to shove it back down. Or you'll get really rageful at work and you'll be like, oh, that, I, that shouldn't be there. I'm sorry, that's not normally there. And you shove it back down. The gospel that Paul's preaching frees us from all of that. You don't have to pretend like it's not there. And you also get the power of the Holy Spirit to destroy that. So some of us, you came to Jesus because a guy like me was like, you don't want to go to hell, do you, kid? And you're like, no. And so you prayed the prayer and Jesus forgave you. Except somewhere in there, you forgot that forgiveness also leads to this, this sin-destroying power of God to destroy my old master. And then I now, I don't, he pops the beach ball. The desires are changed. The things I want are now not what my flesh wants. It's what the Lord wants. And I know some of us, we're in process in that. We're going to talk about that. But this is the freedom that Paul yells about, all right? And so in verse one, this is like the, I, I believe like the greatest therefore in the Bible, the, the single most, it's powerful verse, and it's very simple. Therefore, there is now no condemnation for those in Christ Jesus. Are you in Christ? And don't just answer too quickly because you know like stories. Are you in the Son of God? Have you hidden yourself in him and is he in you? And that's a hard answer because you're in church. You're like, here I am. I've known a lot of church people that I don't know if they know the living son of God. And that's not a jab, that's just a reality. And I want everybody in here, I want you to know the living son of God. I want you to so confidently say, I'm in Christ Jesus, that you confidently go back and then go, and now I have not a drop of condemnation on my life. But if we were honest, unlike church people, if we were honest, let's say we went to Taco Bell after this, got us a nice, what are we in the mood for today? Crunchwrap Supreme, I agree, praise God. And we sat there and I said, is there any part of your life that you feel like there's condemnation on? If you can get a godly man to be honest, he'll say, yeah. I don't feel like a good dad. Half the time I'm just fighting desires. I don't even know what God wants me to do. I don't even think God likes me. I just, he forgave me because he 
had to because of the cry. You'll get in some real deep waters real quick if a, if a church person will actually be honest and say, I feel condemned. So what do I do with that? Well, I take them to Romans 8 and I go, therefore, now there is no condemnation. Now, what's the word no mean? No, zero, zilch, goose egg, whatever word you want to use. Nada. Zero. I mean, just, I can keep, I can, we just keep going. There's no condemnation. So when God looks at me, because I'm in Christ, he goes, I don't condemn Andrew Holdsworth, and not because he's not condemnable, because I already condemned my son for Andrew. And this is life-changing. You're like, this is the basics. The basics are the good stuff. You don't make it wider, you make it deeper. It's a deep, deep well to get lost in. What do you mean you don't condemn me? I had a horrible thought yesterday. So let me ask you all a question. When Jesus Christ died for you, were all your sins past or present or future? Yes. So did he die for the ones you did when you were 17? Did he die for the ones you did yesterday? Did he die for the ones you're gonna do when you're 74? So what part did you do? You're like the sinning. So who does all the saving? Jesus does. And it's, you're like, is that how simple it is? It's so simple. But it's so like foundational that we have to go back to it over and over and over and over and over. Martin Luther was very fond of saying, and his students would get mad at him. They'd be like, we know the gospel. They'd come into class and be like, don't tell us the gospel. They'd tell us deep stuff. And you'd be like, well, I'll stop telling you the gospel when you come in looking like you believe it. We need it. We need to know that I am not condemned by God, but I am accepted. We need to know that there's no condemnation on my life. There's actually freedom to come to God with all of my life. And so what I want us to do is really be honest because Paul is honest, man. If you went back and read chapter seven, he says things like, what a wicked man I am. I want to do good stuff, but then I do the stuff I hate. Anybody? Go ahead. Can we be honest? Anybody ever said that? Like, I really want, I, I want to honor God. I want, but then sin's right there. And I'm like, doing the stuff I hate. He's like, what, what should I expect? And you can almost hear him saying, like, because I continue to struggle with sin, how much condemnation should I expect when I see him again? And he ends chapter seven with, thanks be to the Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, there's no, now, no condemnation for those that are in Christ. Heard religious people be like, don't tell sinners that. I'm like, what? They're like, then they'll just feel free. And I'm like, yeah, that's the point. That's the gospel. You were defined by a law that said, don't murder. Jesus shows up and we all agree that the law is good actually because murdering is not a good thing. Anybody want to? Okay. Sleeping with people you're not married to, not a good thing. Okay, cool. These, all the law is good, but then our hearts and our flesh, and he's going to explain this, take the law and then use it and go and rebel against it. So the law is good, but the flesh rebels. And Jesus shows up and goes, okay, you've heard it said, don't murder, right? And we're all like, yeah, I've never done that. But if any of you says in your heart to your brother, you fool, 
you are committing, committing what in your heart? Murder. How many people you murdered today? Maybe not today. Four. Somebody said four. I was like, oh gosh. <laughs> right, we're laughing because we're like, murderers. <laughs> right? But that's what the law does. It exposes you. And everybody in here is exposed. There's not an elder on that stage that's not exposed. There's not a kids ministry volunteer who are more holy than us who are not exposed. You're like, amen, watching kids, that's rough. We need it, but it's rough. Everybody in here is exposed by the law. Don't have any other gods before me. And typically we're not bound down to totem poles in our house, we're bound down to me. So the law does what the law does. So the law's not wicked, but Paul's not wrong. I want to do good. I want to not murder people, but pull off in front of me in traffic and I'll murder you real quick in my heart. Moron, come on. Like, this is what we do, right? And then we come into church and because we know the law, but don't know the law of the spirit, we feel condemned. So we come to church, we work ourselves up enough where we can be honest with God. God, forgive me for these things I did this week. He does because he promises he would. If any of you sins, confess your sins to one another. Like this is the language. Confession is a gift to the church. And so when we look at this verse, it is simple, but I dare you to memorize it. And I want you to wield it against a couple things. Number one, against the enemy of your soul, Satan. He loves to condemn the children of God. Did you really have that thought? You're probably out of the family. There is therefore now no condemnation for those that are in Christ Jesus. When you have a bad day, anybody have a bad day this week? Yeah. There is therefore now no condemnation for those that are in Christ Jesus. When someone comes to you and confesses that thing that you're like, you should know better. There is therefore now no condemnation for those that are in Christ Jesus. Theologians have called this idea of grace scandalous. This is crazy, guys. Everything you know about God, bring it to mind. Holy, big understatement, right? He's big, grand, he's glorious, he's majestic, he's triune. He's all the things that we talked about in a series like a month ago. He's all those things, right? And we sinned or transgressed or basically spit in his face. Who does that, right? And his response is not, all right. His response is, I'll send my son in your likeness and he'll live a life that you can't live and he'll die that you might live. When we were enemies of God, Jesus died for me. This is scandalous, is what theologians yell. This declaration of no condemnation not only applies to right the heck now in this room, but when you were, you were young, and when you are old and in the end of your days, when you get to heaven and you see King Jesus, and it will be a good day. I'm longing for that day more and more, but I'm not even that old, but I'm like 40 and I just want to, I want to be with Jesus. I want to see him. I want to hear good, good, well done, good and faithful servant. He's going to be like, why are you here? And I'm going to point at Jesus and going to say, because you said I could come. This is the gospel. I didn't earn it. My sermons have not been that good lately, so I can't be like, I preached really good. I've had pretty crappy days the last couple of weeks because I'm just tired and angry and questioning everything. 
But you know what my foundation is? Jesus died for me and secured me forever. And the people of God have to come back to grips with this. Our message is not political. Our message is not of the earth. Our message is heavenly and holy. That the Son of God died for enemies of God. And that any of those enemies come to this Son and put their belief and receive Him, He makes them new. Forever. Which means you could have done the horrible things last night and I'd still say the same thing to you. If you are in Christ, you are not condemned. You might struggle with porn the rest of your life. You might fight it. And I don't mean like struggle like, ha ha, porn's hard, ah, and still do it. I mean like you fight it and you hate it. You loathe the things that want to take your love for Jesus. You fight them actively. Colossians 3, put to death what's earthly in you. You're going to do that the rest of your life, right? You might, you might struggle with anger the rest of your life. You might have a potty mouth the rest of your life. I have seven-year-olds in my house. We have to say potty words, okay? Are you, are you under condemnation because of that? Now, some of you are like, you know the church kid answer. But what you need is the spirit of God to come and speak that to your literal existence of who you are. Then I'm not condemned. I'm not under condemnation. And condemnation is a legal term. Someone has a claim against you. If you hit somebody with your car, can they sue you? Like you did it for real. Like you were speeding on your phone, eating a banana, taking a picture. Like you did it, right? And this is the reality of us with God. We did it. And someone can take you to a court of law and then you can be condemned for that thing. But let's say someone comes along and they say, hey, I know that he, they did it, but I'll take the punishment for it. And the judge goes, that's a yes. In fact, I'm going to take that payment. And then that, let's say, we'll put it in a context we can understand. Let's say, husband, do you like your house cold? Like, I like my house like 68, 69. You know what I'm talking about? And then the wife comes in, like 75. You're like, what are you doing? I'm sweating. Right? I like, you might, some of you might think it's cold in here. I did that. I wear a hoodie sometimes in here because I'm cold. And I want cold so I can wear a hoodie because I like it. All right? So let's just say the electric company is like, oh my gosh, so that bill is high. And you get the bill and you don't know it, but your wife went ahead and paid it, Right? But the electric company comes to you and says, hey, we see that this bill is out, outstanding. You need to pay it. But then your wife's like, no, no, no. I took care of that. Do you still have to pay the bill again? Do you pay the bill again? And this is what Charles Spurgeon, this is what Tozer, this is what all the great theologians have yelled about through all history. Charles Spurgeon used to say, for those that are in Christ, it would be unjust for God to hold the believer responsible for sin because that would be requiring two payments for the same sin. Charles Spurgeon, I think, knew what he was talking about. And all of us were like, I want to get up in the things of God. I want to grow mature and wise. This is the things. This is the things, Charles Spurgeon. This is what, I mean, Jonathan Edwards. This is what all the great names that you have ever known, they were floored by this one thing. That a holy, just God would say, I don't condemn you because I condemn my son. And the church goes, well, we got that figured out. Tell us the new thing. There is no new thing. There's fascination with the Son of God. That's the thing. And he is fascinating. 
Verse 1, therefore, there is no condemnation for those in Christ. Verse 2, because the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has set you free from the law of sin and death. So there was a law, and we broke it. And that law is known by all the Pharisees and the Jews. They were really good at the law. And the thing is, church people, we get really good at the law. Should a Christian talk like a sailor? So no, they shouldn't, just to be clear. This is the weird part, right? Like we're freed and not condemned and I can walk under this no condemnation title that as grace through faith and it's a free gift and I'm saved and I'm secure and nothing can separate me from his love, which he's going to say here in a bit. But does that give me license then if I've been freed from sin and then to live in it? No. It gives me the power to do so. Why? Because is the key word in verse two. Because the law of the spirit of the life in Christ Jesus has set you free from the law of sin and death. And some of you are thinking like, does he mean like law, like in a courthouse? Think more principle. There's this driving principle of your life that I knew the rules of my house growing up Anybody grow up kind of like a rebellious kid? Mom and dad said, don't touch that. And you were like, you were that kid? Some of you are like, I am that kid now. Like some of you are that, you're that husband, right? The easiest way for a long time in me was to get me to do something was for me not to do it. Don't you get on that roof. Don't jump. And you know, this is like some of our natures in there a little bit. You could see the rebellious part of the human heart. And the law is the spirit of the law of Christ comes in and writes this new thing on our heart. So how do I know that I'm not under condemnation? How do you know that you're not under condemnation? Not just because verse one said, but because I see a new law in me leading me away from death and sin and then leading me into the life of Christ. Do you feel that law in you? Now, some of you, you said yes to Jesus and you felt forgiveness flood your heart, but you haven't had this moment yet where you've surrendered to the spirit of the Lord and gone, I want to take your way. I'm going to, you can lead me now. And that's what's going to happen today, I think. So this principle is at work in Paul and this principle is at work in you. And so if the first big key word is freedom, the second key principle, and you might see this, if you have a study Bible, what's the top, like, subject summary of chapter eight life in the spirit so life under the law is you match up or you fail you better kill an animal for it you sin god's angry there's this new law this new covenant this new and better living way that jesus opened up and it's really the spirit of God comes and takes a man or a woman's heart and desires and they are transformed. So it's not just forgiveness of sin, it's the breaking of the power of sin. This comes from the spirit of God. And so the necessary complement to forgiveness of sin is a release from the power of sin. You don't have to listen to it anymore. I was chained and I... My sins jerked me around for a long time. Anybody else? But now the spirit of God in me, I have a better master. And he doesn't jerk me around. He graciously leads me to life. And some of you 
are still living like you're bound, but those got broken. And you need to start listening for the soft, gentle leading of the Holy Spirit. He wants to lead the sons and daughters into life. Some of you feel condemned because you're giving your life to what Jesus died to free you from. And that's not condemnation, that's conviction. Some of you sit up late hours of the night, man, your wife goes to bed and you watch stuff on TV that grieves the spirit of God and then wonder why you feel condemned. You're not condemned by Jesus. That's your conscience screaming at you to give yourself to the things of God. That's conviction setting in on the sons and daughters to go, stop wasting your life, man. And I know, work's hard. Trying to be a good husband, it's tiring. And you put your foot in your mouth more than you don't. I got a big mouth and I run it, right? But the life that God's called us to live is a one that's sensitive to God, to the spirit that's taken residence to everybody in this room. If you said yes to Jesus at any point in time and surrendered to him, who took up residence in you? The Spirit of God. The Spirit of God. Who wrote a new law on your heart and because of that, I know I'm not condemned. Why? Because that Spirit is God in me and with me leading me to life. Some of you have just been fighting him though and not listening to him and grieving him. And I don't want to grieve the Holy Spirit anymore as a church or a man. And what that takes is, it's, it's really annoying when you're watching something and you feel the Holy Spirit say, stop. You ever had that happen? And the thing is, half of us in this room made the wrong decision. Did he abandon you? No, there's no condemnation. Well, what did that do? It created a disconnect between the lover of your soul and his spirit in you. So what we need to do, repent, and then be like, all right, now I surrender in a new way. Because mo most often we ask these kind of questions like, and it's good, these are great godly questions. Have you ever been asked, if you died tonight, are you, do you know exactly where you spend eternity? Y'all know the right answer? How do you know that if you died right now, God took your breath, you'd be in eternity forever? How do you know? Give me an answer, maybe one word, starts with a J, ends with a sus. Jesus, right? Like, good, good church. Like, we know the answer, right? But my question out of this is, if you get up tomorrow, will your life be different because the Spirit of God is living in you? So it's not just, I know one day where I go, it's that I'm gonna walk different tomorrow because the Spirit of God's in me. And I'm gonna fight sin tooth and nail. And even if it claims me for a short time, I'm gonna yell like Paul in chapter seven, I hate it. And I'm going to come to Jesus and I'm going to go, thank you that there's no condemnation. Set me free from this law on my heart and in my flesh. The reality is the reason that sin is still a struggle for a Christian, the reason we didn't just beam up is because you still have a physical body. So the flesh is going to be a thing until you're not. Until you die, your flesh will be with you. But the life of the spirit is a constant cutting and crucifying and I was just talking to a young man in the, in the atrium before service. And I said, as a young Christian, I dealt with my mouth and I dealt with, the, dealt with the lust of my eyes and I dealt with anger because everything prior to Jesus was let's fight. And I'll tell you exactly what I think of you with the F word multiple times and the things that I was listening to. 
So the very first things the Spirit of God dealt with me at 17 was the music I listened to, the words that came out of my mouth, and my reaction to other bros flexing on me was not to slap them, but to love them. Now at 40, I'm 20 years into this thing, my mouth, I've crucified, but I still got stuff. It's less external, which is why you can hide in church. So we get long enough in Jesus, we can watch our mouth, we learn the language, we know, oh, when this beat hits, I'll raise my hands and everyone will be convinced that I am moved. And learning the, the, the movements isn't all bad. Like some good rhythms exist in the church. But the Spirit of God doesn't let you hide. And so, yes, I am forgiven of my sin, but Jesus didn't just forgive me of my sin. He released me from the power of it. You'll see this. Uh, the woman caught in adultery, I think it's in John 8. He says to her, woman, does no one condemn you? Neither do I. Now go and sin no more. So you have the sides of the coin, right? No condemnation for you, lady, caught in the very act of adultery. But I forgive you and don't condemn you. Now what? Now don't go give your life to this again. That's the, the thing we're trying to hold here in this room. So by his death, I am freed from the penalty of sin and the condemnation of sin. And by the spirit, I am freed from the power of it. And this is why I love the Holy Spirit. And I know I talk about the Holy Spirit. I love the Holy Spirit. If I was honest, I loathed the Holy Spirit for many years because I didn't understand him. And he is powerful and he does gift and he is present and he's going to move in this church. But the primary thing he does is he frees the people of God from the very power of sin itself where they are not ruled by those desires in their flesh. They are ruled by a lover. That's why I want the Holy Spirit here. If you pastor long enough, you just get used to like Christians limping into your office, not physically, but spiritually, going, it got me again. I couldn't help myself, Andrew. I had to sleep with her. And I'm like, what? And as a young pastor, it kind of jades you because you're like, I guess the people of God are just going to be weak forever. But then you read the Bible and you go, he doesn't give us weakness. He gives us the power to say no. And so maybe we've made an excuse and go, it's okay, brother, and we want to be gracious. I love you. I don't care what flavor of sin you got in this room. Let's hang out. But if you have a pastor that's going, it's okay, just give in to it, hit him. Don't do that. We'd have to confess. Don't hit him. Hit him with the Bible. Okay. Tell him that's not the life that Je I mean, Jesus never says that. He says, the thief wants to kill you. I want to give you life. Sin wants to destroy you and it's creeping at your doorstep. Fight it. Colossians 3 says, put to death what's earthly in you. Not indulge it, not play around with it, kill it. And why is that? And this is our big misunderstanding about God. Anybody have kids? You ever tell them what to do? You ever put boundaries on their life? You're like, no, I'm a great parent. I don't tell them to do anything. I just let them free range. How's that working out? It might be working out just fine, but you got some crappy kids. 
Is that too, were you being too honest? Was I too honest in church? Okay, cool. So why, I got, we use this all the time. Why do you tell your kids not to go on the street? So they don't get hurt and die. Why does God say, don't go here and don't do this and don't kill people in your heart and don't commit adultery and don't go to that place and don't be ruled by sin and don't remember that you're not under the law, you're under this new law that the spirit of God has written on your heart. Why does he say all that? Because he's trying to free you. And the best thing in any place, I don't care how hot your wife is, how many drugs you've done, whatever your life you're giving it to, there's nothing better than God. And in knowing him and being fulfilled in him, there's nothing on earth that is a good comparison. It's pale in comparison. So God's not robbing us by going, hey, don't listen to this. Don't go here. Don't be ruled by this. He's freeing us and leading into life that is beautiful and full of goodness. Matt Chandler, anybody know that name? He talks about this all the time. I like him a little bit. He talks about steak and a good wine. You ever ate a good steak and been like, golly, good stuff? Anybody? Some of you are vegans and I'm sorry for you, but where are they at? Where's right there they are. <laughs> but you ever had a good meal with friends? This is how Chandler talks. And it's good. I mean, it's good for your soul because you're laughing and you're drinking like a good drink, like a good Mountain Dew because um, we're in church, so you can't drink wine, um, and a good steak. So what the earth does, the earth goes, man, this steak is sufficient in itself, but it's not. What the Christian does, it goes, praise God, there's steak and good drink, and there's the friendship of the people of God. It goes higher. It goes to God, who is better than anything. So then all the things of the earth don't betray me because God's always in my view. That's how Chandler talks about this. And I don't even know how I got on this in this sermon. For God has done what the law weakened by the flesh could not do by sending his own son in the likeness of, sin, likeness of sin, sinful flesh and for sin. He condemned sin in the flesh in order that the righteous requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us who walk not according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. So no matter what kind of Christian you are, cessationist, charismatic, you're spiritual, I don't care what you think about the Holy Spirit, what are you supposed to walk by? Go ahead and say it, because the Bible said it. This isn't Andrew's charismatic tower. This is, the Bible said, according to the flesh, but you don't walk toward the flesh, you walk by the Spirit. So you may ask a good question. Well, how? How do I do that? Verse five, for those who live according to the flesh have their minds set on the things of the flesh. But those who live according to the spirit have their minds set on the things of the spirit. So let's just say we are in tune with the spirit of God and the Holy Spirit is what? Who? Who is he? You could say he's God, right? So it's not like we have God the Father, God the Son, God the Spirit. We have these three distinct lines where you can't connect them. It's God. So when the Holy Spirit shows up in the church, who could we say showed up in the church? God did, God showed up. So when the Holy Spirit leads you, who's leading you? And the reality is there's this big fight between the charismatics and the Bible people. There's not actually supposed to be a fight because the Spirit of God does this very real thing. So if you were here having a conversation with the Spirit of God or God himself, name me some things that God loves. What's God love? You name the fruits of the Spirit. I like that. 
go to Galatians 5 for those. You'd be like, all right, so if, if I set my mind on what I want, what comes out of your life? You can do that right now. You'd be like, I really want him to stop talking. I really want to go to Taco Bell because he keeps talking about it. I, 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 the eyes of your life will not be the same things as the spirit leading you in your life. So you gotta be really intentional. What's my flesh and what's the spirit? The spirit will lead you. And when you set your mind on the things of the spirit, you're in fellowship with him and you will see the fruit of the spirit pop up in your life. You ever seen a fruit tree go, fruit? No. When you, in a cartoon, maybe, yeah. But this is the same as Christian life. The more we walk with our minds attuned and set to the things of the spirit, the more you'll see love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gracious, self-control. I've added one in there. I think it was gracious, but whatever. You'll see the spirit produce the fruit not you do it. You'll see the spirit start to lead you and you'll see the power of God begin to pour out of your life. By what? Setting my what? Setting my mind. The things I think about. The things I dwell on. The things I let into my eyeballs, which go into my heart, which come into my mind. The things that are in I'm dwelling on. And this is a huge problem in the church because we've forgotten how to take every thought captive. The things you think about are the, usually the things you love. So this is where, yes, there'll be discipline. Like the reason I fill my life with the word of God is because I want my mind renewed by it. I want to think like Jesus thinks. And where do I get to learn how Jesus thinks? The word. Where do I know that the spirit that I believe is leading me is the true spirit? Because it'll line up with this. So really, this, this whole thing I, I think we got to reorganize. Like we think and we organize our life by, well, this sin's kind of bad and this sin's, you know, a little worse. And we, we do that, right? You could we could probably make a list right now in the room, like murder's pretty high up. But like saying like a little lie, probably a little lower. Does God categorize them that way? No. And so really, when we think about, oh, oh, the greatest danger of sin is that it's going to have a bad effect on me or it's going to hurt somebody else. I think for the church, we need to think of it like this. The greatest damage of sin is it's going to cut me off from the spirit of God. It's going to numb my soul. It's going to limit my ability to hear the one that I love. It's going to make me love the world and the things in the world. And I don't want to do that. I want to love God and the things of heaven. And so for to set the mind on the flesh is death, but to set the mind on the spirit is life and peace for the mind that is set on the flesh is hostile to God. It does not submit to God's law. Indeed, it cannot. Those who are in the flesh cannot please God. And so we're gonna stop right there. I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna talk. We'll come back next week. We'll pick up right there, all right? What I wanna do is I wanna invite Dave to come up and just worship God with all of his gifting and anointing. And I wanna invite you to stick around and worship and be honest. Do you see the power of sin at work in you? And if you do, you need to come to Jesus and go, Jesus, I see my flesh ruling me and I need the spirit of God to write a new law on my heart. To free me from this thing. Don't pretend we are free from pretending. 
We're also free from trying to earn it in some weird, like, demanding way from God. Why? Romans 8, 1. There is therefore now no condemnation for those that are in Christ Jesus. So our response to this right now is, praise God, I'm not condemned. But if you feel condemnation in your heart, if you're giving your life to sin, come repent of it and be free. And the prayer teams are going to come up as he sings this song, and we're just going to respond. We're going to respond in loving Jesus and thanking Jesus and being honest with Jesus. Praise God for Romans 8. I love it. God, thank you for your word. Thank you that there is now no condemnation for those that are in you. Thank you that the Spirit of God has set us free from the law of sin and death and written a new law on our hearts. And it's so easy, God, because it's, it's late in the day and we heard the word and we worship to like, I, I got to get out of here. But Lord, we just give you our attention again. And if you want to deal with our hearts, you, we want you to. I don't want to run away from an encounter with you. I don't want to be so caught up in the fleshly desires like, yes, we have to eat because we're human, but man doesn't live on bread alone. And so would you exert your power in this room? The cross is not robbed of power. Jesus Christ is very alive and the spirit is working in this room. So we give you praise as the people that have been freed. We give you place right now to do heart surgery, which no man or woman can do. And we're just really honest with you right now. So right there in your seat, will you be honest with God about your sin? And not just your sin, not the things you gave into, but your desires. So often we're like, man, I, I did the thing, but the thing is because you want it. You like it. And tell God you like it. Be like, God, I actually really like lusting. And my heart is wicked. Would you free me from that? Will you transform my heart? That's heart surgery. You can't do that. The Spirit of God can, though. Ask God to change your heart. Ask God to transform your life. And if you're under condemnation, if you feel it, please don't leave without receiving prayer. I hope today's message has been a blessing and an encouragement to you. If you would like more information, you can find us at www.cobblestonechurch.com. Have a great week and God bless.